Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. I must admit, I am a bit embarrassed it has taken me this long to cover an article involving this topic. The title of the article, which was published two months ago in Human Reproduction, is called Fertility Preservation for Women with Breast Cancer, a Multicenter Randomized Controlled Trial on Various Ovarian Stimulation Protocols. As the title suggests, the article is about preserving fertility in women who are of reproductive age and have been diagnosed with cancer. Breast cancer is the most common malignancy in premenopausal women, and I personally know four reproductive age women who are diagnosed with breast cancer. Since it is known that the chance of spontaneous conception is decreased by half after breast cancer treatment, all four women thought about fertility preservation before they started breast cancer treatment. Two of the four women opted to preserve their fertility and both later used their frozen oocytes to conceive biological children. The other two women did not freeze oocytes or embryos, and neither has children now. The decision on whether or not to delay breast cancer treatment to try to preserve fertility is clearly each woman's personal decision, potentially influenced by factors that include the stage of cancer and or feelings on future motherhood. Hopefully fears about the safety of ovarian stimulation are not the main reason a woman would decline to preserve fertility. According to a solid study published in August in JAMA Oncology, fertility preservation before breast cancer treatment does not increase the chances of breast cancer coming back in the next four years. Another 2019 study showed no risk of relapse for women who not only did fertility preservation, but then also gave birth to children created through IVF. For women who say yes to preserving fertility before starting cancer, the next question is, which medications should they take? The drugs used to stimulate the ovarian follicles, ultimately leading to oocyte retrieval, also wind up increasing the hormone estrogen, which theoretically could increase risks of breast cancer relapse. Many women are treated with anti-estrogens for years after breast cancer treatment to reduce risks of relapse. Numerous studies have compared the medications used in different ovarian stimulation protocols in breast cancer patients with different medications getting incorporated to try to reduce the high levels of estrogen during ovarian stimulation. What separates today's study from the slew of earlier ones was its trial design. This was a randomized controlled trial that took place at 11 sites in two countries. The two countries were Belgium and the Netherlands. The study recruited women who had a history of breast cancer, were ages 18 to 43, and who opted to freeze oocytes or embryos before starting cancer treatment. It didn't matter if the women were positive or negative for estrogen receptors, which can impact how well a woman responds to breast cancer treatment. Either way, they could enroll in this study. Women could also start the study at any point in their menstrual cycle. This time was of the essence. The only major exclusion criteria that would stop a woman with breast cancer from joining this study would be if she was taking a medication that interacted with a liver enzyme called CYP2D6. Unfortunately, some traditional antidepressants like paroxetine, aka Paxil, or fluoxetine, aka Prozac, interact with CYP2D6. For the women who did join the study, the researchers used a computer program and randomized them one-to-one-to-one 
to join one of three ovarian stimulation groups. The first group were women who took a standard ovarian protocol. I'll explain this in a minute. The second group was women who added on tamoxifen to the standard ovarian protocol. The third group were women who added on letrozole to the standard ovarian protocol. Many of the previous studies had compared one of these medication groups to another, but never before all three in a prospective randomized controlled trial. At this point, I am going to pull a George Costanza and go against my instincts. A pharmacist like me loves to spill out all the details about medications. I'm worried you might fall asleep. And knowing that these details are in the show notes and in the article itself, which is free to read, I'll keep this simple. The first of the three groups was the standard ovarian medication group. These women took recombinant FSH and a GnRH antagonist to stimulate their follicles. To trigger their follicles, they took a GnRH agonist. The second group of women took all the same medications as that first group, but they added on 60 milligrams of oral tamoxifen from the second day of the menstrual cycle until they took their trigger shot. The third and final group also used all the same meds as that first control group, but they added on 5 milligrams daily of letrozole on day, cycle day 2 until the day of their trigger shot, and then they resumed the letrozole as soon as the oocytes were retrieved in order to prevent the rebound in estrogen that's been on everybody's mind and what they're worried might happen. Regardless of the group, the women had their oocytes retrieved 34 to 36 hours after taking the trigger shot, and the women had either their M2 oocytes or day 3 to 5 embryos preserved. Now that you've heard the gist of the study setup, let's get into the results. 162 women were originally enrolled in the study, with similar numbers of women in each of the three medication groups. Though data was collected only on the women's first cycle, 20 women did two or more cycles. Five women had their cycles canceled due to poor response. Two women dropped out in between agreeing to the study and actually starting the study. And one woman had to leave the study due to what was described as psychological issues. Only one woman in the study had ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, aka OHSS, which required hospitalization. Ultimately, the number of oocytes retrieved, the number of mature oocytes retrieved, and the number of frozen oocytes and embryos wound up being similar between all three groups. The peak estradiol levels were lower in the group taking letrozole compared to the standard group, but there were not differences seen in the letrozole versus tamoxifen or tamoxifen versus standard groups when they looked at estradiol levels. There were a lot of protocol deviations in the study, and I'm surprised and pleased the authors were willing to share them. Nine women in this study were taking doses of FSH that were not prescribed in the protocol. This was likely based on the MD making a clinical decision on what was best for the patient. Likewise, the one woman who was triggered with HCG instead of a GnRH agonist, that sounds like a physician's decision. Three women took urinary FSH instead of recombinant FSH. It's unclear what was going on there. Three women were on different protocols entirely, and one woman was being treated in a hospital that was not participating in the study. Really not sure what's going on there. Either way, a lot of information was shared in the results section of the article. I can only spew out right now so much and keep you awake. Since that's the gist of that section, I'm going to move into conclusions and wrap this episode up. As I mentioned at the beginning, I like the trial design overall. The authors did too. 
they tooted their own horns on how their study design reflects actual clinical practice. They also noted it will take years to get long-term results from their study because not all of the women are done with cancer treatment and are ready to try for pregnancy. Based on their current results, the authors decided that there is no evidence suggesting a difference in mature oocytes between the three groups. However, if longer-term data, their data, someone else's data, suggests that safety is not improved when you add on tamoxifen or letrozole, then there's no point in adding these medications in. Thus, the authors didn't make any recommendations on changing current prescribing practices. As we're wrapping up, I will say some things I thought the study could improve. When they originally designed the study, they were focused on safety and they were using estradiol, estradiol levels to measure this. After the study had started, they changed their focus from safety to efficacy and on the number of oocytes retrieved. No doubt this impacted how the trial progressed. I also felt like there were some differences at baseline between the groups. As an example, nearly 20% more women in the letrozole group had irregular menstrual cycles compared to the women in the standard group, and 20% more women in the tamoxifen group had never had a child compared to the standard group. Would this in some way have changed results? It is hard to say, but these differences weren't addressed. And that's the sum of today's article. Hopefully you learned one or two things at least about fertility preservation in breast cancer. For more information on this study, head to www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in.